God, you deserve it all. You deserve the glory. You are more than worthy. Help us not just to sing that in the empty words this morning. Help that to come from our hearts. Help that, help us to believe that, that you are worthy of everything that you've given us in our life, everything that you have blessed us with. You are worthy. We just recognize, God, that you gave us breath this morning, that you got us out of bed. So you are more than worthy to receive the glory from our actions, our words, and our thoughts today. Speak to our hearts through your word, God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Matt, and the worship team for leading that. God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is our God, he is worthy of all honor, glory, and praise, and so much more. Not enough we could ever say about our Savior. So thank you all for leading us in that. As always, I want to say a special thanks to Pastor Lee for allowing me to preach this morning. He is in Uganda with a, with a team, and so be praying for them. So Pastor Lee, whenever you see this, thank you for the opportunity. I do want to apologize, and I ask that you bear with me this morning. I think I came down with maybe some bronchitis this past week, and so I've lost my voice. We had our junior-senior trip on Thursday, Friday, and we got back yesterday, and so I lost my voice during the trip. Just means we had a great time, right? So uh, with that, I have my little hot Baptist mixer drink right here, so please bear with me this morning. So if you'd go ahead and turn in your Bibles to James chapter 1, James chapter 1. And we're going to read verses 19 through 27. So James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. When you get there, I'd like to ask if we would stand together out of the reverence of reading God's Word. James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27, and the verses will also be on the screen. James says this, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Now, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religious is worthless. Religion is that is pure and undefiled before God. The Father to the, excuse me, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now. We thank you so much for your great love, for your faithfulness that we sang about this morning, and Lord, that you are truly worthy of all our praise. Pray, God, now that as we uh, take this time to read and explain your word, I pray, God, that it would not lay on deaf ears, but we would do exactly what we just read. God, that we would hear it and that we would act upon it. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Bless this time as we get to worship you together as your body. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. 
So to help us understand this a little bit better, let me give you a little bit of context behind what's going on here in the book of James. James, obviously, is credited as being the author of this specific letter. Uh, he is the half-brother of Jesus, the same James that is mentioned in Matthew chapter 13 and Mark chapter 6. And then in Acts chapter 15, we see that James was a prominent church leader in Jerusalem. And in James's, his intended audience here with this letter was for Messianic Jews that were outside of Jerusalem, the Jews that had been scattered due to persecution and famine. And we see that in verse 1 of chapter 1 where he says, to the 12 tribes in dispersion. In James's letter to these Messianic Jews, which again are Jews who believe that Jesus is the Messiah, um, this is very different than what we see in Paul's letters. Because in a lot of Paul's letters, we see that he is trying to correct certain doctrines. Uh, there might be certain sins that are happening within the churches that he's writing to. Um, but James's letter here to these Jewish Christians is a little different because James is actually giving practical, godly wisdom to all those who pro uh, profess faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord. And honestly, James is not uh, offering anything new here in this letter but he is challenging Christians on how to endure in faith in a corrupt world while living in a corrupt world. And as a matter of fact, throughout the book of James, we see a lot of teachings from Matthew uh, chapter 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount, which we've been going through on Sunday mornings with Pastor Lee. Uh, we also see a lot of things that have been provided in the book of Proverbs. So James is not necessarily giving us a new command, but he is echoing what is already found throughout Scripture. So I want to go back to verses 19 through 20. And he says this, Know this, my beloved brothers. That is Christian people. This is a prescriptive passage, meaning it is also speaking to us today. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now think on this. Quick to hear. Slow to speak. And slow to get angry. Now please understand this. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 tells us that all Scripture is God-breathed. From Genesis 1-1 all the way to the end of Revelation. All Scripture is God-breathed, which means it is from God, it is fully authoritative, and it is completely perfect without error, and it is also fully sufficient. So when James says here, be quick to hear, be slow to speak, be slow to anger, this is a command that we find in Scripture, and it is just as authoritative of what we see, thou shalt not murder thou shall not steal. And when James again says, my dear brothers, these are Christian people. He's talking to us today as well. In Christians, we should be, yes, quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Now in the context here, what James is talking about, he's talking about listening to what is found in Scripture, that we need to be quick to hear what is found in God's Word. Now, can we use this as an application for today in our personal lives? Absolutely. I think that's fantastic advice. We really need that for today. But in the context here, do see the progression. 
Earlier, I had mentioned that James is not stating anything new, but he is echoing wisdom that is found throughout Scripture. Again, see the progression. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to get angry. I want you to consider these verses from Proverbs. And Emma, if you'll put these verses up on the screen. And I'm going to read these nice and slow for us to understand. Proverbs 13, 1 through 3. A wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. From the fruit of his mouth, a man eats what is good, but the desire, excuse me, but the desire of the treacherous is for violence. Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips come to ruin. Are you hearing James's words here? Are you hearing his advice? Proverbs chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fool pour out folly. Again, are you hearing James' advice here? Proverbs chapter 17, verses 27, 28. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. Think about that. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Again, James is not providing some new commandment here. Rather, again, he is echoing what is found in Scripture, which is godly wisdom for all believers for everyday living. And no, James is not saying, don't get mad, okay? He's not a fool here. He, he understands we're going to get mad. But what he's saying here is, don't be quick-tempered. Don't be quick to get angry at something that really isn't worth angry to, to, to get angry about. Now, he says here, because the anger that man produces, what is it? It's selfish. It's self-righteous. Because human anger does not produce what God desires. It is, again, selfishness. It is self-righteousness when we decide to get angry on our own accord. Again, James is not saying don't get angry because he knows we're going to get angry. But I think Paul puts it in a little bit better perspective in Ephesians 4.26 where he says, be angry and do not sin. We're going to get angry. As a matter of fact, I would contend that there are some things in life that are worth getting angry over. Just this past couple days, I saw that out in California, a man ran over a woman and her eight-month-old child. Thankfully, they survived. I thought they had passed from it, but I saw that they did survive. But just the idea and the consequence that this young teenager is facing, I don't think it's fair. I got angry about that. I see how in this life, in our culture, how certain agendas are being pushed upon our children today. And I'm not going to get too far into that, but do know that makes me angry. There are certain things we should get angry about. But Paul says, when you're angry, do not sin. So spiritual check number one, are we quick to listen to God's Word? Do we listen to wise instruction? Are we willing to not be hasty with our speech? And are we willing to not be quick-tempered upon matters that, that about, about things that don't really matter in life? Do we trust in what God has said in His Word? 
And do we show love towards God and our neighbor by being self-controlled in these certain matters? Now going on to verses 20 and 20, uh, 20 through 25. 21, excuse me. He says, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So James now identifies another human issue here, and that is the lust of the flesh. And he says to put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. Now the word that is used here for the Greek for rampant, the idea that James is getting behind is something that is actually uncontrollable. In our human desires, we have these uncontrollable urges. We do. And we act out upon it. They are uncontrollable. Now, that might sound as kind of like an oxymoron where he says, okay, we'll put them away, put them aside, but yet they're uncontrollable. How does that work? Well, it's not really an oxymoron. It actually kind of falls more in line with what a paradox is. Because this filthiness and this wickedness is a part of our own flesh, and it is in our human desire, we are going to act out upon it. And James knows that it is uncontrollable when it comes to our own strength. When we try to put away in our own strength, it doesn't always work. And that's why James says in the very next line, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. As James has already provided some of the Old Testament teachings for godly wisdom, he also says that it is God's word that transforms us, that renews us, and that regenerates us. And by humbling, accept, accepting his word, we can see that not in our own power we can resist and lay aside the sinful desires of the flesh, but through the wisdom found in God's word and the work in the Holy Spirit who lives in us, that is what gives us strength to lay aside our weakness. By God's word, by trusting in God through the Holy Spirit, His Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. He gives us strength to lay these aside. Look what Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, verses 8 through 10, and the words will be on the screen. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, that's the Word of God, after the image of its Creator. And as we see God's Word has the power to save our souls, and I would contend personally here that James is not necessarily talking about our eternities, okay, because he's already talking to Christians, but for our everyday current situations. And that's why in verse 22, James gives us the command, be doers of the word and not just merely listen to it. So if we come here on Sundays, on Wednesdays, 
any other day of the week that you might meet with your small groups or your D groups or maybe during your own, own personal time. And you read aloud God's Word. Maybe you read it silently. You hear it, yet we do nothing with it. James says you are deceiving yourself. Listen, a follower, a disciple of Jesus does what the Word of God says, plain and simple. That's what we are to do as his followers, obey his commands. Now just imagine taking comfort in hearing God's Word, yet we do nothing with it. That is sad, and we should be very convicted by that. To claim Christ as our Lord and fully knowing that He has given us a complete and perfect revelation through the Word of God, yet far too often some just merely listen and don't obey what it says. And James gives us the example here in verses 23 and 24 about the man who looks at his face in the mirror and then as soon as he turns away, forgets what he looks like. And I personally think I personally think that this demonstrates the folly of examining ourselves because when we look into God's mirror or as he says, the implanted word, the perfect law, the law of liberty, we can truly see what God desires for his children. God's word tells us what we need to know how to honor God. And when we look into an actual mirror and we see the imperfections, common sense is going to say, oh, I need to do something to fix that. Because far too often, myself, I've looked in the mirror the past several years and I'm like, dead gum, I'm starting to get kind of heavy here. Better do something about it. Me just saying something about it, is that going to do anything for it? No, I have to act upon it. So how are we blessed? James says we are blessed by not just hearing Christians, but by doing what the Word of God says. James gives us this answer in verse 25 to help us understand when he says, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, perseveres and being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, this is how he is blessed. James says that Christians are not just blessed again by hearing, but they are blessed by doing what is found in Scripture. Consider what Jesus said to his disciples, to the masses in Matthew 7 on the mountainside. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like the wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded upon the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So to understand, we are to do more than just listen to God's word as Christians. Christians, we need to act upon it. We do what it says. That is how we are blessed. Verses 26 and 27, he says, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction 
and to keep oneself unstained from the world. This is the example of what it means to be a doer of God's word. Now, this saying, whenever he says, if anyone thinks he or she is religious, okay? Now, I do want to address something here. I think sometimes this term or this word religious kind of is frowned upon today, and I understand it. We do hear phrases like, well, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual, or I don't believe in organized religion. I do hear that quite a bit. Please understand, those are very misleading, okay? Don't be deceived by what the world thinks of Christianity, because to say you're spiritual could really mean anything today. And to say that your religion shouldn't be organized, well, I guess we need to throw God's commands out the window. And yes, I know that saying I'm religious could also mean anything as well. We have to be careful with that. But the idea that James is trying to get across here is that your religion should be sacred, that you should be devout on your beliefs and your convictions according to what is found in Scripture. And James used it here as someone who is religious in appearance, but is not really right with God. We call that being nominal. And this is evident because in his example, this religious person does not bridle his or her tongue. And this is more than just foul language cursing. This is not being able to keep a tight rein upon your speech. That could be slander. It could be gossip. It can be anything destructive to another individual. You name it. This is damaging not only to our character as Christians, but it is also damaging to our soul. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 15? It's not what goes in that defiles a person. It's what comes out. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and that is what defiles a person. And James follows it up by saying that true religion before God the Father will take care of the orphans, the widows during their time of distress. Now, I do believe this is literal, that we should take care of those orphans and the widows who are in distress. But again, James is not giving us a new command here. He is echoing what is found in Scripture. This is a fulfillment of the great commandment. What is the great commandment? Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees talking about Jesus, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? And Jesus answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it, meaning just as equally important. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On those two commandments depend the law, that's the word of God, and the prophets, those who proclaim Christ as the Lord. Keeping God's word means we will love God and our neighbor. And obeying God's word is what keeps us from being stained by this world. If you don't want to be corrupted by this world while living in this world, obey what God's word says. It's that simple. Sometimes we like to overcomplicate it. Sometimes we like to over-spiritualize it. Just obey what the Word of God says. Don't dance around it. Don't sugarcoat it. Obey what God's Word says. And you know what? We can't help but to live in this world, but we don't have to be stained by this world. 
just uh, on, I believe it was Friday during our junior-senior trip, we stopped off to go get ice cream. The lady whose house we were staying in sent us $200 to, to go take the students out for ice cream. It was pretty legit. It was awesome. And while we were in there, a group of Amish people came in. I think there was three or four couples uh, of, of uh, th- three or four Amish couples here. And I actually thought they were Mennonites. Um, but while they walked in, a couple of students were asking, were like, hey, why do they dress like that? What, what do they believe? What are they doing? You know, wh- why are they in here? And so do they not? I mean, I thought they didn't believe in electricity, right? And so this idea behind people who are in the Amish community, I would say they take this idea maybe a little too on the conservative side of things. Because what they do is they distance themselves from the world by living in their own community away from everybody else. But what we see in Scripture is that we live in this world, but we're not supposed to be tainted by this world or corrupted by this world. And James says the only way to keep yourself from being stained by this world is what? Obeying the commands of God. So, at the very end, when he says... Help those widows and the orphans in their time of distress. That's loving your neighbor. Do we love God by keeping his commands? Jesus said to his disciples, if you love me, keep my commands. Do we love our neighbor as we love ourselves? This morning in this passage, we do see very specifically, we are to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. And through this, when we hear God's word, we are to do what his word says. And the example there is to love God, to love our neighbor. Are we doing that, Christians? Are you challenged today by what is found in God's word? I pray that as you hear this, as we've read it this morning, that you have been convicted, yes. And through that, God will use that. You will turn from that sin and that we will live for Christ in a corrupt world, and we will share his gospel, we will share his truth, and we will live it out. And maybe you don't have that opportunity because you never believed in Jesus. Please know this. We, as humans, we are all sinful beings. The Bible is very clear. Paul says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned, fallen short of God's glory. We have sinned. Well, what does that mean? We don't measure the standard of perfection that God desires. We don't meet that. We have broken every single one of God's laws. We see in Scripture, you break one law, you're guilty of breaking them all. So even if I tell a little white lie, I'm just as guilty as everybody else. And because of that, a punishment is due. And the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. I deserve death because I've sinned. We deserve death because we have sinned against the holy God. But yet we do see in Scripture, Romans chapter 5, verse 8, I think one of the greatest Scriptures in all of the Bible, that yet while we were still sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. That's how God demonstrates His love. God loved you so much that He sent His Son for you to this sinful world to die on a cross All the weight of the world, all the sin of the world was placed upon Jesus as he died, as he hung upon the cross. And he died. He was buried. And on the third day, proving to everyone that he is God, he rose victoriously from the dead. 
The Bible says in Revelation chapter 1, he didn't just rise, but he rose eternally, never to die again. That's our God. And today, if you need to put your faith in Jesus, to trust him for the forgiveness of your sins, to believe that he died for you and rose from the dead, you can make that decision today. And for you as Christians, as we hear God's word, let's take this godly advice we see in scripture. Let's take this advice that James says. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Be a doer of his word. Love your neighbor as yourself. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for this morning. Pray God today that if there is anyone here who needs to place their faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, I pray God today that they would make that choice. God, that they would turn from their sin, that they would turn towards you. God, that you would gloriously save them. I pray for us as Christians today, God, that we have been challenged through your word. God, that we would turn from the things in our our life that are about us, that are about this world. And God, that we would turn towards you. Help us, Lord, to love you with our heart, soul, and mind. Help us to love our neighbors as ourselves. Thank you so much for Jesus Christ. Thank you for your word. Help us, Lord, to live a life that pleases you. We pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.